0: Welcome to Asia Inside, the podcast from the Asia New Zealand Foundation, Te Futo to Hono in Wellington. I'm Graham Acton. The Asia Infrastructure Investment Bank is a Beijing-based multilateral development bank which now has 109 members after beginning operations in 2016. New Zealand is one of those members holding 0.48% of the bank's shares. Other Pacific-based members include Fiji, Vanuatu, Samoa and Tonga and the bank has played a major part in the COVID recovery in the Cook Islands and Fiji. It's also heavily involved in funding green infrastructure, with a goal to channel some 50% 50 of its funding into Paris-aligned projects. The bank's president is Jin Lee Chun, a former vice president at the Asia Development Bank, and a former executive director for China at the World Bank. He's been in New Zealand over the last few days meeting officials from Treasury, the Reserve Bank, and other stakeholders to discuss the bank's developing role in the region. We had a few minutes with him earlier this week, and I began by asking him to explain the initial concept behind the bank.
1: This bank was initiated by the Chinese leaders, but the setup the establishment uh, was the result of all of the 57 founding members. So New Zealand is the first, I would say, developer country which joined in the setting up of this institution in the negotiation of the Artists Agreement. New Zealand was the first. Few people understood that. They didn't know how much role New Zealand has played uh, from the very outset.
0: So what does, what does New Zealand get from being a member of the bank? What's the big advantage to this country of being involved?
1: New Zealand is not a borrower given its, uh, uh, income and development. But the role New Zealand has been playing is first of all, uh, in the, uh, articles, re-menting, negotiations, setting the rules of the game, and also all these kind of standards. This is very much important for any institution, particularly for a multilateral development bank. So New Zealand contributes to the conceptualization and establishment of this institution. Secondly, New Zealand has always been playing a very important role uh, on the board, While New Zealand may not be the director on the board all of the times, but your people serve the alternate and also the advisor, and you have worked with other directors on the board to monitor the operation of this institution to make sure that the AWB would follow, uh, continue to follow the international best, best standards. This is the important uh, factor for the development course in the member countries, and this is your contribution.
0: So, what what are you up to in New Zealand during this visit? What Who are you seeing at this point? It's an interesting time in New Zealand politics, we're sort of between governments. Uh, who are you talking to?
1: Uh, you see, I uh, I was alerted by your ambassador to Beijing that uh, the government is still in the process of being formed. Uh, I I told your ambassador I, it's not a problem, and I will continue to visit New Zealand because I'm I'm planning to visit uh, Australia anyway, and it's not right for me to you know skip New Zealand while I were. I, I would be visiting Australia. Uh, you know, one of the reasons I think it is not a big issue for us for us is that whoever is in charge in your country, New Zealand government is always consistently supportive of this bank.
0: Do you think the bank is uh, understood properly in the West? Do you think that, <laughs> that it has some sort of um, – it's got a good brand, but do you think people understand what it's doing?
1: Uh I would say no, uh, but uh, we have an increasing number of people who come to understand uh, what AWIB is all about. And I think I personally did a lot of broadcasting, narrowcasting. I attended a lot of conferences and, and I uh, try to make people understand uh, what this bank is all about why this bank is a multilateral development bank in the gene pool of the MDBs, why uh, this bank is not a China bank, is not a China-led bank, it's a multilateral institution. But you see, people's perception sometimes goes very strong and very deep. And I think it it requires a lot of efforts to help people understand this. But I would like to highlight the point that what we do on the ground are investment projects to deal with climate change, to deal with the mitigation of emissions, to develop renewable energy and to promote connectivity through infrastructure and what we do to improve gender balance, empowering women. All these kind of things are being recognized by our client members and their people. So more and more people have come to understand what AWIB is all about.
0: So let's talk about that from the climate mitigation investment. Seems to me that that's a real focus for the bank, and you're moving towards fifty percent or so in uh, in your in your loans in that way. How is that happening, and where is it happening?
1: The corporate strategy, which approved by the board, uh, stipulates that by twenty twenty five at least 50% of the approvals should be for climate change mitigation adaptation. By 2030, 50% of the lending should be for supporting the private sector. Indeed, we achieved the objective of climate change approvals, accounting for more than 50% in 2022. It was already 56% the year before, the, uh, the last year. And also, starting from July All the projects this bank finances are Paris-aligned. So we set a target, and we must fulfill our objective. So it's doing very well, thanks to support from our client members, because they gave us a lot of, you know, feasible projects for us to consider. And I also am grateful to developer countries for their guidance and for their active support for the institution, for us to have access to the international capital market so that we can provide financing at the lowest cost.
0: Have you got a couple of good examples of where that that money's going, a couple of projects that that are being funded by the bank in Asia at the moment that are green-aligned or Paris-aligned?
1: Yes. For instance, uh, for the Asian countries, we support quite a number of uh, uh, renewable projects. And also, for instance, in India, we provide financing to the metro uh, in Mumbai. Thereby, we can improve the mass transit system to reduce the individual costs running on the street. We help Egypt to develop a green uh, energy project. We help them um, to accelerate the process for the transition to net zero. We help Pakistan to deal with the flooding a disaster, which put two thirds of the country underwater so we also provided 50 million dollars for cocaline for climate for covid-19 100 million dollars to fiji for for also for covid-19 because we believe only by helping these people healthy could it be possible for for these Pacific island countries to uh, manage their development. So we are working with New Zealand government, Australian government, to work out a way so that we can help the Pacific island countries whose economy are scale small and the people need renewable energy, they need the support for infrastructure. So we are doing quite a lot of things which could help broad-based economic social development.
0: I know you've had a lot to do with COVID mitigation and, and recovery, basically, in the Cook Islands and in Tonga as well. Mm. Are you talking to the New Zealand government about the projects in the Pacific? Is that one of the things you're doing in New Zealand? And is, is there anything on the, on, the, on the horizon that maybe New Zealand would be interested in?
1: Now that COVID-19 is almost behind us, I think what we need to do in Pacific Island countries is to develop a renewable energy and uh, improving the connectivity but of course the healthcare system is also something very much important we want to make sure tourism would come back to pacific island countries in that case and have a robust healthcare system is still very much important but the main efforts would be on the connectivity and the renewables
0: and that's underway at the moment is it or is it look, you're looking into the future for that or is that beginning to happen right now
1: we're always looking forward to the future But I think what is most important for us to move on the basis of solid lending programs to all these countries and manage the bank in a most cost-effective way.
0: A slightly more controversial question in a way. I suppose some Western analysts, and you'll be aware of maybe where I'm going here, suggest that the bank is being used as a as a device or as a tool to further the the aims of the chinese communist party and china as as a country if you like i'm just wondering how you react to that criticism
1: you see uh, the idea of setting up this bank is to promote broad based economic social development mm-hmm. And uh, China understands it's vitally important for them to keep the bank being operated on the best international, best practice. And the fact that we've been working in close collaboration with the World Bank, ADB, EBRD, indicates this bank is operating on its own. It's not influenced by any major economists.
0: All right, so just, just continuing on that just for a second, what is the role of the Chinese Communist Party in the operation of the bank? None. Just getting back to the banking, multilateral lending institutions like the AIB and and others, um, they, they do good work all over the world. Do you think there's room for another one in Asia, another institution like yours?
1: I think uh, the World Bank, ADB, AIB are providing a lot of support to the Asian countries. Uh, certainly, it may not be a very good uh, uh, point to to rule out any possible new institutions to support climate change, mitigation, adaptation, economic, social development. But I think these three institutions, uh, at least so far as uh, we are concerned, mm-hmm. are doing a uh, great job helping the Asian countries. There might be some other funds and you know, some other kind of proposals, but so far as the multilateral development bank is concerned, I think the three banks are doing a wonderful job in working together and uh, they can meet the needs of the Asian countries.
0: What more can New Zealand do to help the bank, do you think, in the future? I mean, we're a member of the bank. Obviously, as you say, we're one of the original members of it. I think the relationship is pretty good. I'm just wondering how you see New Zealand's relationship with the bank going forward.
1: New Zealand uh, government uh, has, has sent very strong you know, staff to be working on the board, and to provide a guidance to this institution and i think this role is very much important and we are very much willing to engage further uh the uh, new zealand government to make sure that uh, the new zealand will continue to play a very positive important role in this institution uh i can i can tell you uh the client members the management and all those who are a, Involved in this whole process, recognize and appreciate the contribution of New Zealand. It's a small country, but its impact is very significant. Thanks very much for talking to me today. Thank you very much. I'm very happy to be back in New Zealand again after my visit in 2018.
0: I've been speaking with Jin Lee Chun. President of the Beijing based Asia Infrastructure Investment Bank. And before we go, it's worth noting that New Zealand will in 2024 assume directorship of a constituent group within the bank that includes Australia, Singapore, Vietnam, and the Cook Islands, giving New Zealand a voice on the board to advocate for issues the government sees as important. That's Asia Insight for now. Until next time, Matewa.